Welcome to the ride. Life, Work, and Wealth podcast with your host, Chris Rowe. Years ago, Chris was a firefighter and a paramedic and witnessed many people not getting another tomorrow, and it shaped who he is now as a financial strategist. Chris doesn't just help people plan for a secure tomorrow, he helps them plan for a better today. Chris lives in Burlington, Ontario, and is an investment advisor at Three Hats Financial, a trade name of Harborfront Wealth Management, an IROC dealer. Let's get to it. Forget winter and cold, snowy weather. Think spring and warm, sunny days. Well, the change of season often prompts thoughts of reorganizing and a fresh start to everything, also known as spring cleaning. Well, welcome back to The Ride, Life, Work, and Wealth. I'm Patrice Sikora. For most people, spring cleaning probably means cleaning the house. But for Chris DeRoe of Three Hats Financial, it means something else beyond the dusting, cleaning windows, or maybe even giving the dog a bath. Now, Chris, what do you want people to be doing? With spring now upon us and spring cleaning, as you mentioned, a lot on people's minds, this is actually a really good time to organize and double check your finances. Right now, people still have time, depending on the area you're in, there's still restrictions and lockdowns in certain areas. Mm-hmm. And we still have some winter weather, not oh, making bite it. bite your tongue, bite your tongue. <laughs> yes, <laughs> still not making it super easy to get out the whole day. Uh, I know I took my kids the other day for a walk and all three of them ended up on their butt at some point and it <laughs> made it really interesting. So yeah, the weather's still not making it that easy to be out the entire day, which means there's still time for other things. So once spring and the warmer weather hits, I know many people are itching to get out and do things. So the last thing on their minds at that time, especially this year, will be going through organizing their financial closet. Mm-hmm. Um, so today what we'll do is I'll just go through nothing mind-blowing here just six simple steps to just make sure that you have your finances organized and things ready for the warmer season all right your first one here makes a lot of sense having a filing system for your finances but um i hate to say it my filing system is that pile of paper over there (laughs) yes uh, over the years (laughs) i've had a couple people their new clients come in and they literally bring a shopping bag and just dump it on the boardroom (laughs) table And they're like, I've been meaning to get around to this. And I'm like, well, you're in your late seventies. I don't know how much longer you were <laughs> waiting to, to do this. This is something that should be done all the time, but I get it. Life's busy and people will, will just procrastinate. It's very simple human nature on things yeah. you just don't want to do. First one, filing system for your finances. So whether you stash receipts, bills and folders, or especially nowadays, you file them electronically in your computer, Most important thing is to keep all the paperwork related to your personal finances together in really just one safe place. Gather your credit card statements, phone, utility, insurance, mortgage, car loans, all that stuff that you're required to make a monthly or yearly payment on and just organize them in whatever way works for you. Because it is important that you have a summary of all your finances in kind of one area that you can view or snapshot. So most people have multiple credit cards, bank accounts, investments, insurance policies, et cetera. The more moving parts, the easier it is for all this stuff to get more confusing on what you actually have at the end of the day. That's why having this filing system, whether it's physical or on your computer, is extremely important. Once you have everything organized and summarized, you need to figure out cash flow. And if you've been listening to my podcast, I've mentioned the word cash flow a ton. 
because it doesn't matter if you have next to no money or a ton of money. It is just really important to make sure you have an idea of what that is. Mm-hmm. So I've mentioned in previous podcasts how important all this is with the cash flow. One example I use a lot is business owners. When it comes to their business, they know how much money is coming in and how much is going out of their business because that's an absolute must for their business to operate efficiently. Well, people's personal finances are not any different. You must know what your cash flow is, but a lot of people have never gone through this exercise. Yep. And I mean a lot because I ask that question to every new client coming in. And I'm more surprised than not when people are like, yes, I have done that. And I have gone through all my cash flow. And here is my monthly expenses. And here's how much is usually end, is left at the end of the month. I just know from experience that not everyone does this. Mm-hmm. Most people go by the seat of their pants and they have money that goes in their bank account. Each pay, life goes on. Don't really know their expenses, but they figure they're okay because they don't have creditors calling them and everything else. <laughs> right. But but they really don't know it at a deep level and they just hope at the end of the month, there's some money left. That scenario, if a business owner was doing that, they'd be in big trouble. You couldn't run a business effectively or efficiently very long with that manner. But people's personal finances shouldn't be any different. I tell people that their checking account is basically like an operating account for a business because it's your family's household cash flow, and it needs to be treated like that. I've even had business owners that could tell me exactly what their businesses were bringing in and what was going out. <laughs> and then as soon as I moved to the personal finances, oh, I have no idea. I don't know. But I, <laughs> I, I can tell you about my business. And I'm like, that's a huge disconnect, but it was actually, it's actually very common. It shouldn't be treated like that. That's just the point I'm trying to get across here. Okay. Now you're talking about a filing system here, just to jump back quickly. How long do you need to keep records like, like uh, bills and, and receipts? Well, it depends if you're filing for income tax purposes and stuff like that, obviously you need it for a year. And if there's audits, they say that you can be, you can be audited up to about seven years, which is pretty significant. So it just depends if you're writing that off for your taxes or not. As far as cash flow, really, you're just trying to get an average and things like that. So you don't, keeping them for a year and getting an average is more than long enough. Just depends. Like I said, if you're writing it off for taxes, it's a completely different story. Okay. Okay. For anyone that's is listening and you haven't done this before, you can go to my website and the top right corner, there's a section that says resources and there's a cash flow sheet there that you can download and use if you, and there's all kinds of ones on the internet too. This is just the most simplest one that I've found. So it's there for you to grab if you need it. And that's three hats, financial.ca, correct? Correct. And then to just simply, you can print it out old school, or if you want to save it to your desktop and do around a three months average, that is good because I tell clients, this is to give me an idea. It's never going to be a hundred percent accurate every month because different things happen every month and different seasons, but it will at least give you an average and it'll let you know the cost, the essentials each month and give you a very good idea and what you're spending overall and what your overall cash picture, cash flow picture looks like. Okay. It will also just give you peace of mind and help significantly when you need to make decisions on purchases and expenses. If you have a clear picture of this as well, it's important that you can get information from this because you'll hear the common financial term. You have to pay yourself first. And what that means is you should have a portion of your paycheck going to savings and investments every month, but you can't really figure that out unless you know what the cash flow is. Mm -hmm. So 
anyways, enough on that. That's tip number one. All right. How about number two? Two, reviewing your investments, whether you're on your own or with an advisor, you have to be doing this for sure. If you have an advisor, they're going to most likely be contacting you in regards to this, but it is important that you need to be going, knowing what's going on with your investments. This last year has been an interesting one to say the least for markets, but after this year, how have you done? Where are you at after this? When did you last review the asset allocation and the risk level? Meaning where's it, what's your money invested in what sectors mm -hmm. and how much risk do you have? I, I find new clients when they come in, depending on if they had advisors or not, a lot of people are very confused on the risk that is currently in their portfolio. It's just really important to make sure that you understand that. And if you're told that you're just in a balance or a growth portfolio, we'll just ask a little bit deeper on that, that well, what does that mean exactly? Like, tell me in the last four years, what's the worst that's gone down? What's the worst it's gone up? So I know what to expect because I just find that people coming in and stuff like that, a lot of them don't really have a deep level idea of what their actual risk is. So important to know that. So, so your expectations are realistic with it. And I think you also have to help them understand their appetite for risk. They may think it's something totally different from what it really is. Exactly. Simple way of that too, is instead of using percentages, well, if your portfolio goes down 5%, how does that make you feel? Right. A better example is using dollar signs versus percentage, just little things like that. But <laughs> yeah. Anyways, also has, if your comfort if your comfort level has it changed over the last year with the new world we live in, because maybe that's changed your risk level. A lot of things are different with the current environment we're in. And you just want to double check that. The other thing is, I won't get too deep onto this because that's just, this is a, that would be getting into like an investment podcast on its own, which we'll get into later. Okay. But the current environment is there's very low interest rates right now, which is great for debt, not great for the fixed income side of yeah. portfolios. Yeah. A lot of people forget that because low debt, great. My mortgage, my, my, my line of credit, businesses can borrow more, it helps the economy. And yes, on that side, but on the other side of wealth management and, and the fixed income side of portfolios, got to be really careful with that. It's important to be evaluating your risk within the portfolio since these low interest rates have effects, affected, well, if you're a balanced portfolio, it's going to affect close to half your portfolio. Yeah. And you may need to be making some adjustments to still be hitting those goals and expectations in regards to your portfolio performance. Makes absolute sense. Yeah. So the next thing is just rebalancing the portfolio. The market, well, last March was one of the fastest market drops in the history of the stock market to we finished the year yeah. for most people positive. That's quite a shift in one year. Just want to make sure that the portfolio is still balanced. And what I mean by rebalanced is it's still weighted equally on how you originally set it up. Because when there's a significant market fluctuation, it can throw that off. Right now, this is what we're doing. We're going through all our client portfolios and having these discussions since we feel right now, right now is a very good time to be rebalancing with everything going on. Right. Time horizon. So with your investments and portfolio, like a lot of things in life, there is a time horizon. You have to make sure that that is still aligned properly for what you want it to be. Because has your time horizon changed? And what I mean by that is, yes, personally, people's time horizons will change for a number of reasons. If they're retiring early, health, all this stuff. But this last year, 
just from dealing with with my clients, it's made people think a lot differently in in regards to their long-term plans. Maybe they want to retire earlier because of what happened. Or maybe now they're like, well, I can work from home. I want to retire later because I actually don't mind my job. I, they, I hate the commute and now that's gone. Or maybe you have a, a lot of people are like, well, this has just taught me to appreciate a lot more things and live life more. And we're buying a cottage or we're going to move to the country or do something like that. We've been finding that people's time horizons, especially in the last year, has changed in regards to some of these examples I just gave you. You want to make sure that your portfolio is aligned with that and that if you have an advisor, that your advisor is very well, well in tune to that because that makes a big difference. Quick question here, Chris. I, I, that's a really important point that you made that this past year, people's what's important to them has changed a lot in many cases. Have you noticed any specific changes within age groups? Are younger people thinking, wow, I need more time with family and older folks thinking, wow, maybe I can work a little bit longer. Has there been anything that's that stands out for you? Yeah. A couple clients were like, are you kidding me that I just retired 18 months ago because I hated the cubicle. I hated who I sat beside. I hated the commute. And now I'm locked in my house with, no- <laughs> with nothing to do. And I could have been working and making my same salary from my home that has been like, yeah, that is unfortunate. Like whoever would have guessed. Right. Right. So that's a few comments, younger people for sure. Actually, I was just typing an email to a a friend of mine is also a client. And I was just saying to him, I go, cause he was saying, wow, this just really kind of slowed us down and reset things to make us think like, what were we doing? And I said, Tina and I, my wife, before COVID hit, we were going to 14, not exaggerating, 14 sporting events a week for our three kids. And that didn't include my martial arts or Tina's hockey. Wow. And we were like, how the heck did that happen? How did you do it? Just basically a lot of up and down, like we'd be passing each other all night up and down on the the highway (laughs) because Tina would be going one way, I'd be going the other and we're dropping kids off at at soccer domes, hockey rinks, all that stuff. So it was, but then it never, we never meant to do that. Actually, before we had kids, we agreed that none of our kids were going to do rep sports. And here we are, two of the three are doing rep sports. (laughs) So it just happened and you just get caught in it and you don't even realize it. So yes, uh, personally, myself and a lot of other clients, it's just really made them think like, what were we, what were we doing? And we got to be really careful that we don't fall back into that once things somewhat start to normalize. Mm. Yeah. So another area, which might not seem like a problem to people, but it's just, it's just these interesting things with wealth management that have come up this year because it's a very different world we live in right now. Another area that relates to this is we are seeing people with significant amounts of cash in their bank accounts. Now, I know that a lot of the population has lost jobs and had a very tough time, which is extremely unfortunate. We've had family, friends, and clients go through that. But there's also another side. And the other side is people that their incomes didn't change or actually went up in this environment. They just simply can't spend because of canceled trips and right. just simply not being able to go out and spend during these lockdowns. And we've noticed a significant difference in that this year. If you know you're not going to use that money for a while and it's building up in your bank account, earning nothing since due to current interest rates, high interest savings rates are very, very low. Right. Mm-hmm. 
if you know you don't plan to touch this money for a while, you've got to figure out options on, do I leave it there? Or do I look at putting it somewhere else? Because I know I'm not going to be touching it for a long time and adding it potentially to your portfolio, which means when you add it to your portfolio, it doesn't mean it has to be aggressive. You can take it, you can put it in a completely different fund for the, the rest of your portfolio that is just more conservative. It doesn't go up and down as much. At least it's earning you something. Yeah. And because yeah. it doesn't have to be all or none, meaning it's going to just jump up and down with the markets like crazy. But for clients, even in like a tax-free savings account or a non-registered account, we can earmark certain amounts for different things. And that means it's going to be in a different fund for that situation. But at least it's earning them something. You have to go through your risk level and all, there's a bunch of other factors in that. But the point here is that you want to make sure that you're not just getting comfy with it. Like what I mean by that is I know there can be a nice comfy feeling. And I explain this to my clients. If you have 50 or a hundred thousand dollars in your bank account, that is a lot of money <laughs> not doing anything. Yeah. And actually you're losing on that because now you're exposed to inflation risk. I won't get into like a whole bunch of uh, terms, but it, this is important because people always know market risk. If I invest, I can lose my money or some of it there's pros and cons to everything. And the money sitting in a bank account is now exposed to, exposed to inflation risk. Mm -hmm. So what that is, is your money is not keeping pace with the rate of inflation. So now that money is actually losing its purchasing power. And that's a risk. The bank definitely likes that you keep it there, but you have to ask yourself, is it your best interest to keep that entire amount there, especially for a while? With a lot of my clients, it's not even just that amount, that amount sitting there but then every month it keeps building up because the incomes just keep adding to it. It's just something to think about. Like I said, it may not sound like a lot of, like a big problem to people who are like, wow, okay, you have a whole bunch of money sitting in your bank account, but it is a problem and there is risk to even doing that. Yeah, and you also have to decide, as you were saying, if you're not going to, how long will you not be touching this? Will it be a long time? Will it be a medium length time? Do you need it there for a down payment on something? Yeah, you gotta look at everything. Yeah, exactly. It's just. Something because we see that all the time where people just makes them feel nice and warm and comfy and it just sits there and keeps staying there and staying there and growing and growing because the income coming in and before they know it, that's a lot of money sitting there right. year, year after year, not doing anything. But it could be growing even more. Move along here. So number three is review, reviewing your insurance, which sounds like a fantastic, fun idea that's going to on a Saturday <laughs> night. <laughs> <laughs> but need, needs to be done. And Hey, this is kind of a gray and dreary time right now. The, so let's it, better do this. And when it's nice and sunny out. So well, when you talk insurance, are you talking life insurance, auto insurance, homeowners insurance, really everything, health and life insurance requirements. Those just evolve as you get older and it's just, it doesn't matter how old you are. It's just important to be reviewing it. So someone with a spouse and a child likely will need more life insurance than an unmarried person living alone there can be different requirements. Well, there is different requirements there. You just have to evaluate that. So you need to research how much life insurance you need, first of all, and you can find many life insurance calculators online, which is a good idea because then it just gives you something on the screen that you can plug numbers in and stuff that you wouldn't think of. Many couples with this, younger couples, they just get mortgage insurance because they get the mortgage from the bank. The, the bank can only really lend them mortgage insurance enough to cover the mortgage and they think, okay, I'm protected can tell you right now, if you have a mortgage and young kids, I don't need to see your financial picture to a certain degree. It's not enough unless you have a whole bunch of money in the bank account, because here's an example. Let's just use simple numbers. Both spouses make $50,000 each. 
$100,000 coming into the household, one dies. Do you think that 50% of the expenses have died along with that one individual? No. No, not even close. Mm -hmm. That's where you got to have to figure out how much life insurance you need. Because for our clients, when they have young children, we go through an exercise to say, here, this covers your debts. Now, if one of you passed away, simple things. Are you going to stay in the same home? And are expenses going to stay relatively similar? And they're mobile. Some are like, yeah, the last thing I would do is move my kids out of the school and home and everything they know. So then now you need to supplement that income or a portion of that income is that's gone. Right. It's just those things that people don't think about. And they think that as long as the mortgage covers the cover, they're good. Other things is if you already have life insurance, majority of young couples will have that in term life insurance, which just means that eventually that insurance expires. And that is what they should have because that's the, there's two types of insurance. I'm not going to get too deep, but there's term insurance and permanent. If you're young, you want a whole bunch of term insurance because it's cheap. What that means is that term will eventually expire. On average, it's either a 10 year or 20 year term. The crazy thing is it's actually scary how fast I put those policies into place. And you're like, that has been 10 years. Are you kidding me? <laughs> like, yeah. Oh my goodness. I just, it, it just blows my mind. With that, you don't want to wait till the last month that it expires to start figuring out options. Cause a lot of times people will still need insurance. Doesn't mean they need as much, but they still definitely have a need. So you want to figure that out well in advance before the expiry date, since you don't want to have to take an automatic renewal once the original term mm. ends. An automatic renewal is when you take term insurance, majority of the big insurance companies is your insurance can continue after that, but the rates just go through the roof. Like for a 10 year term, it more than doubles. And this is going to sound ridiculous, but I actually, this is how it is, is after a 20 year term, I was looking at two 35 year olds the other day and they're $66 a month term 20 after 20 years. If they just took the automatic renewal went up to over 800. <gasps> what? 66 yeah. to 800. Yeah. Because the thing is, first of all, 20 years is a long time, but if you look at the back of your policy, you'll see that. And it's, it's the insurance companies know the only people that will do that or take that is the ones that can't necessarily qualify right. medically. Good news, you can still get the insurance, but nobody takes that if you can qualify. And all the, the point I'm trying to get across here is that you want to just make sure that you have your insurance in place and that you know that well in advance before it expires, what you're doing and what options are available. Mm -hmm. Also keeping in mind that if you have life insurance with your employer, that if you ever switch jobs or retire, that's going to end. So that's the life insurance tip. Critical illness, which we actually just recently did a podcast on. If you're not aware how important that is, mm -hmm. definitely I would recommend go taking a listen to that. And then there's disability coverage. It's a good idea as well to review those coverages because they will end as well. And another thing is to make sure that your life insurance, critical illness insurance and disability insurance are all stored in a safe area. It's usually best to have them in the same location as a will. Good to make sure that your loved ones or the executor will knows the location of these documents. Mm -hmm. Auto and home. This is something you should be reviewing as well. I don't do auto and home insurance, so you, you can have a broker go in a much deeper level than this to me, but I just have five tips on this that you should be checking. Mm -hmm. Is first of all, measure, measure how much coverage you actually need. Inspect what is covered. Most people aren't aware of what their policies do and do not cover until they unfortunately file a claim. Like years ago in my area, there was a bunch of damage by floods. 
And there's a lot of people online and stories we were hearing about a lot of people, unfortunately, getting surprised they were not covered for as much as they would have thought for these for the flood damage. So oh. it's best to figure that out, obviously, before you need it. Three, recheck the deductible. My preference with the deductible is I usually go with the highest amount that I can afford just to keep the monthly premium down is my preference. So you just want to make sure that... Mm-hmm. Four, don't just accept premium increases each year. This is important. Compare what you paid last year. And if it went up, make sure to call and ask why. Knowing whether the increase resulted from a change in like your risk profile from you personally or from a broad-based increase in the marketplace, well, knowing that can kind of help you negotiate and also comparison shop, which you should do at every renewal or at least every couple of years just for peace of mind. Mm-hmm. It's also good to make sure that if you change things such as like adding a security system to your house or snow tires in your cars, or now a lot of people, more people are working from home. So they drive less, but they never contacted their insurance company. Let them know that. Well, all of that will decrease your premium. You just want to make sure that you're updating them on that as well. Good points. Yes. Four, you already touched on this Patrice. So you had said. (laughs) Reading ahead. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Reviewing and updating your will and power of attorney. Obviously, disclaimer here, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not giving legal advice. But for any legal advice, you need to speak to your lawyer. You guys know I've mentioned this before because I actually did a podcast on on wills Mm -hmm. and why you need them. Everyone should have a will. It's not just for the rich. In my career, I've come across a lot of people even later and much later in life, and they still don't have a will. As well as even people like in high-risk jobs, such as police and firefighters with no will. So it's really important to get these documents in place because basically if you don't, your estate will not really go where, well, it won't go where you want to go. And if you have children, it's a no brainer because you're basically leaving up to the courts to pick the guardian of your children. Now, it doesn't mean they're going to pick your neighbor, Bob, but (laughs) they're going to pick someone from just basically a chart they have within your family. You want to obviously make sure that you have this organized. And as well, trust me from experience when I say, If you have a will, you will save your loved ones a ton of time and grief. Since I've had many experiences of clients of mine dealing with their parents. Oh boy. Over the years, I see many people procrastinate on getting this done for many reasons. But nowadays, it's much easier to get this done. So people shouldn't be dragging their feet on this. Why it's easier to get this done is that many lawyers now are working virtually. So you don't have to go back and forth to the law office like you did before. You can literally do it from your living room. Basically, as I mentioned, go back... Listen to my podcast if you want to get some fear instilled upon you and a kick Mm -hmm. in the butt to get this done because so many people procrastinate on this. A retired lawyer told me a while ago, he said one of the best parts of his career was as not the personal injury or the real estate or any of that stuff. He said it was seeing the relief on the couple's faces when they had signed everything and done the will. Yeah. And I've seen that like in, in meetings, I've seen the same thing. And when couples smile and I ask them and say, okay, we're going down the check sheet and I say, is the will done? They're like, yes. I'm like, perfect. And I've even high-fived some of them over the table. Yep. Of course, that was pre-COVID. But <laughs> <laughs> I guess I can high-five the Zoom screen now. But okay, moving but along. It, but too, it's, it's not just their relief. Think of the relief of their families. Oh, that's, what, that's what people should understand too. As you were saying, it's, it's the executor of the estate who's going to say, wow, thank God they did this. I know what I have to do. Yeah, I have had some people call the the office, clients of mine, or people are not clients, but they they are. It's an insurance policy that was passed along. I did as a client that I never even met, just from mm-hmm. years of 
these orphan policies and the person's losing their mind, not at us on the phone, but they're like, I can't believe that and this person's deceased that they're, 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 they're doing the estate for. And they're like, I can't believe that he left this mess to me and like the, the time and just people furious. So yeah. it's, yeah. It, it is important to get it done for sure. Five, reviewing your credit scores for errors. This is important. A lot of people don't think of this, but credit bureaus, they make mistake all the time. I remember seeing a stat a while ago that it was like 18% of Canadians that checked their score of found errors and actually me being one a long oh. time. Yeah. A long time ago, I found one on my own and it was actually really easy to get. I went through Equifax. It was really easy just to get them to remove it, but that was on there. And I'm like, it had nothing to do with me. And after they went through and investigate, they're like, yeah, and pulled it off. Now, how do you do this? How do you review your credit score? Yeah. So there's two national credit bureaus in Canada, Equifax and TransUnion. And when you check your credit scores, this should be done at least once a year. Doesn't hurt to check it. Some people are like, well, wait a sec. If I check it, is that going to make it go down? No, that's more, that's for people get confused with this. That's for, if you're getting approved for a mortgage or a loan, mm -hmm. that if, if a creditor is coming in and checking it, it just will just decrease to the bid or it, it, it's not much, but you checking it yourself does not do anything. I'll get to that in two seconds, Teresa, and how to, to get that. But once you've fixed your, any errors, back to your question, Patrice, is first of all, you can sign up. Or there's, there's a bunch of different institutions and how you can get this free. I know TransUnion and Equifax, you guys, you can Google them or just in Google Creek free credit score and you'll be able companies will come up. National credit bureaus, they have services like Equifax, I know has one for $4.95 a month where it, it, it notifies you if there's any changes in your credit score or any suspicious activity. That's really important. And like it's less than five bucks a month, but you right. can also, like I said, you can get a free one. You can pay 24 bucks to get an in-depth one. Just important to note to check that for errors, but also if there is any fraud, it's going to show up there right away. Mm -hmm. So that's why it's good to definitely check that. I actually was speaking to a client like literally last night he was just going through this with me. He had a credit card he didn't use very often. He went to go use it and it was denied. And he's like, that's weird. Like, don't know why this is denied, but went to go check it. And then after that, he realized, wow, someone has completely put that credit card in his name. Oh, he started realizing not all his bills, but certain bills were now not getting mailed to his house. And he goes and calls the companies. They're like, well, it's being mailed to an address in Hamilton. He's like, I live in Oakville. <laughs> So then that was a big deal. And then he going through all this, yeah, someone had stolen his identity to the point oh, no. where even it, with the credit bureaus, he was like trying to justify that he was the real person because they had gotten in so deep. They know what to do, right? Like oh, the, yeah. the pros, they just get in and change everything. Oh, dear God. He just said how uncomfortable it was trying to prove these people that, hey, this is me. That's two clients have had this happen in the last 12 months. And both of them have told me that it was absolutely cons consumed them for months to try sure. and get everything straightened out. I remember the one, the one client when this happened, I had, I had seen her, the other one, and she looked exhausted with how much, like she just looked exhausted. She goes, this has just consumed me. And she goes, I don't have time for this. I own my own business. Like, but yeah, they had gotten in so deep. They had changed everything on her. The funny thing is the other day we were doing a review. 
Patrice knows I can be a little blunt sometimes. And I, and <laughs> she reminded me that I said how, how exhausted she looked. And I was like, Oh, okay. I go, wait, now you look pretty. You're back totally back to normal. <laughs> Hopefully if she's listening. She looks very pretty right now. <laughs> oh. Quickly. I'll touch. If you're not familiar with the numbers on a credit score in Canada, the credit score ranges between 300 and 900. Excellent is between 740 to 900. Anything below 575, you've got some work to do. And the easiest way to fix credit scores is just making sure you're paying stuff on time. There's a couple other things, but the biggest one is just make sure you're not missing payments and paying on time. And generally, if your rate's above 690, the borrowers that you ever need to use and stuff like that, they're going to give you good lending rates in that. So 690 is kind of what you want to aim for. Okay. I think you should do a podcast on that, by the way. Yeah, I should get, I could, I, I could go pretty deep in that. It's yeah. it's such a simple thing that people forget all the time. Um, well, listeners, I, listen, pay attention, subscribe to this podcast. So when the next one comes out, we're talking about this. You will be aware of it. You know what the funny thing is with credit score what? is when I ask that to anyone, what's your credit score? Oh, I have no idea. It's good though. Well, when's the last time you checked it? Well, I haven't, but it's good. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get that. Oh, I get it all the time where people just assume that it's good. And you know, when they find out when it's not good. When they go well, and check. Yeah. Right. Well, right before they have to apply for something yeah. now it's too late to change it. Okay. We're almost done here. So the last tip is planning your summer. And, that's and this you. tip I like the best. <laughs> <laughs> not really a financial tip, but I'm going to throw it in there. We are now a year into this pandemic and people are myself as well, getting very antsy to get back outside. The most important tip is getting out this spring and summer and enjoying yourself. Not like I said, not exactly a financial tip, but nevertheless, it's an important one yes. during these times. It's very important. Yeah. Especially this year because winter months in Canada can be long with COVID. They can be long without COVID and lockdowns. And this winter has definitely felt like a long one with everything going on with the virus. So it's important for people to get out and enjoy. But the thing is, since this is different times, we have to plan for that. And what I mean by that is summer plans need to be figured out ASAP because I, here's a couple examples. So on the radio the other day, I just heard that campsite reservations are up over hundred mm -hmm. percent compared to last year. Planning to rent a campsite cottage or RV, like you have to get on that ASAP. Even things like if you're planning to rent or buy a boat or any recreational vehicle, like you need to deposit down now because these places are extremely low on stock and you have to put a deposit down even to get your name on a list to even hope that you can get a boat, Sea-Doo or yeah. any motorcycle, anything like that, if that's something that you're into. Don't wait till the end of May or beginning of June to start figuring this out because it's going to be, unfortunately, this summer, it'll be way too late with the current circumstances. And I'll tell you right now, I'm, I'm in New Jersey in the States. And of course, we've got the Jersey Shore. And you want to talk about an inability to find anything, anything available to rent now, it is too late. I've got something way down in Cape May for my family, but it's way too late now to be looking. Yeah, it's 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 crazy how how much you, how far in advance you have to pre-plan yeah. now for like literally everything. But anyways, Patrice, that's it. Six tips for financial spring cleaning. So as always, if anyone has any questions in regards to this, you guys can contact me through my website, threehatsfinancial.ca. All right, that again, it's threehatsfinancial.ca. And Chris, I loved every one of these ideas. Along with contacting Chris DeRoe through his website, make sure, as I mentioned before, you subscribe to this podcast, The Ride, Life, Work, and Wealth. That way you will know when new episodes are ready for you. 
I'm Patrice Sikora, and let's talk again later. Thank you for listening to The Ride, Life, Work, and Wealth podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. All comments are of a general nature and should not be relied upon as individual advice. The views and opinions expressed in this commentary may not necessarily reflect those of Harborfront Wealth Management. While every attempt is made to ensure accuracy, facts and figures are not guaranteed. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing or tax advice. Please seek advice from your accountant regarding anything raised in the content of the podcast regarding your individual tax situation. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.